Today, in 2017, it's not difficult to find articles and think pieces bemoaning the lack of opportunities for actresses over a certain age. Even our current A-listers consistently resort to producing their own work or moving into television to find quality parts. But the actresses of Hollywood's infancy had it far worse. Back in the day when studios, and the men who ran them, controlled everything Hollywood put out, it was the modus operandi to cycle out ingenues as quickly as new ones could be created. So there must have been some other forces in the air when two 1950 films tackled the issue of an actress's standing when she moves into middle age. All About Eve and Sunset Boulevard shone a light on an issue everyone recognized, but when accepted, and, for the most part, uncommented upon. Besides giving a fictional voice to this eternal struggle, All About Eve and Sunset Boulevard both provided career rejuvenations for their lead actresses. Betty Davis and Gloria Swanson, both powerhouses in films of the 1920s and 30s, had felt their standing slip as they slipped into middle age. So it's no surprise that their respective performances were imbued with a truth and power that can only come from experience. The performances were so lauded that all the pre-Oscar buzz came down to which one would walk away with the prize. But when the category was announced that night, it was 29-year-old Judy Holliday who took home the Oscar for her first starring role in Born Yesterday. Perhaps the two legends split the vote, or perhaps it was one last meta moment of life imitating art. for your reconsideration the podcast where we re-examine past oscar races and have given ourselves the authority to decide if the academy got it right i'm your host Devin, and i'm joined by kyle hello and uh today we are discussing the 23rd academy awards which were presented in 1951 for the films that came out in 1950 so um we were not alive then so I want to give you a little bit of some context about what was going on in 1950 when these films came out. Unless you're already an expert in that. Are you talking to me or the Yeah, audience? I'm talking to you. Oh, <laughs> sure. Okay, so 1950 was just like a super chill year. Uh, Harry S. Truman was our president of America, obviously. And then um, some things that were just like ongoing at that time. Well, one, we were obviously five years out from World War II. So the Marshall Plan was in full effect, uh, rebuilding Europe after the war. We also had a lovely Cold War brewing with Russia that started, you know, 1945 and lasted until 1991. But it was it was pretty hot for a Cold War in 1950. Um, and also at that time, kind of connected to the whole Cold War thing, communism was a big deal here people were super upset about it because um there were certain political officials who were kind of riling up the public to get them to hate communism to endorse the cold war um and that was a big deal in hollywood in fact um huac the human on american activities committee was running the hearings were running concurrently with oscar voting in this year which is actually interesting because two kind of red smeared actors ended up winning the top prizes that night but some stuff that happened um throughout that year on january 31st truman ordered the development of the hydrogen bomb in response to the detonation of the soviet union's first atomic bomb in 1949 hmm. um 
And on February 4th, Ingrid Bergman's illegitimate child uh, caused a huge scandal in the United States. Really? Yes. You know all that story? No. She was married to someone else and had an affair with Rossellini filming a movie and then got pregnant with his child, but she was still married to her original husband. Oh, wow. Yeah, that is very scandalous for this time, I would imagine. It kind of... um, it didn't like ruin her career, but she was blacklisted from like some television shows and from appearing in some stuff for a sure. while. Sure, from like wholesome family content. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, blah blah. On February 9th, uh, in a speech to Republican Women's Club at the McClure Hol- Hotel in Wheeling, West Virginia, Senator Joseph McCarthy accused the U.S. State Department of being filled with 205 communists. What? How do you get that number? Uh, how did he get any information that he had? <laughs> you know, I think he just said things. Um, on March 8th, the first Volkswagen Type 2, also known as the Microbus, rolled off the assembly line in Germany. Mm, the people's car? Yes. <laughs> um, apartheid was happening in South Africa. They passed the Group Areas Act, which formally segregated the races. So that's fun for them. Um... On May 9th, Robert Schumann presented his proposal for the creation of a pan-European organization, which he believed to be indispensable to the maintenance of permanently peaceful relations between the different nations of the continent. Their proposal, known as the Schumann Declaration, is considered the beginning of the creation of what is now the European Union. Interesting. On May 9th, L. Ron Hubbard published Dianetics. Whoa. So that had some lasting impacts in Hollywood. It took a few a few more decades for people to decide that would be a religion, but only a couple actually. Yes. Then on June twenty fifth, the Korean War began. Mm-hmm. So we had a real war, a cold war, cleaning up after our last war. It was a lot. Uh on August twenty third, legendary singer actor Paul Robeson, whose passport had recently been revoked because of his alleged communist affiliations, met with US officials in an effort to get it reinstated. He was unsuccessful, and it was not reinstated until 1958. Mm. On September 22nd, my dad was born. Yay. Yeah. Shout out to my dad. Um, September 30th, NSC 68 was enacted by President Truman, setting U.S. foreign policy for the next 20 years. Um, It's considered one of the most important statements of American policy and launched the Cold War. Um, In the words of scholar Ernest R. May, NSC-68 provided the blueprint for the militarization of the Cold War from 1950 to the collapse of the Soviet Union in the beginning of the 1990s. NSC-68 and its subsequent amplifications advocated a large expansion of the military budget of the United States, the development of the hydrogen bomb, and an increased military aid to allies of the United States. It made the containment of global communist expansion a high priority. Um, Sometime in October, the Turing test was published. And on November 30th, Douglas Douglas MacArthur threatened to use nuclear weapons in Korea. Oh, okay. So, you know. So we were just still throwing that stick around. Yeah, it was a super chill year, just like the threat of nuclear war hanging over everyone all the time. Uh, Multiple wars going on. People still recovering from from a terrible war that just ended. Um, And everyone was scared of communists. So you were... You were joking and said it was a chill year. Yeah, no, it wasn't chill. Okay. It, was, it was pretty rough. <laughs> it's pretty rough. But on lighter news, let's talk about that year in film. Oh, okay. Here were the top 10 films <clears throat> of 1950. You want me to start at 10 or 1? 
I mean, 10 probably makes more okay, sense. Okay, we'll start at 10. So number 10 was My Blue Heaven. Number 9 was At War with the Army. Number 8, Wabash Avenue. Number 7, Born Yesterday. 6, Sunset Boulevard. Oh, wow. 5, Father of the Bride. 4, Annie Get Your Gun. 3, Cinderella. 2, All About Eve. And the number one movie of 1950 was King Solomon's Mines. Really? Yes. So that is all five Best Picture nominees were in the top ten. In the top ten. Yes. Not so much like that today. No, not at all. I'm actually, wow, when you like first said that uh, Sunset Boulevard was at number six, I was like shocked that it was even on that list. Yeah. But I guess a different time. Different time, which is crazy. I mean, it's not like they were making less movies. I mean, they were making, they were cranking out movies yeah. all the time at that. This was still the studio system, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, some big film debuts that happened in 1950. Uh, people who made their, their first appearance in film. Marlon Brando, Tippi Hedren, Sophia Loren, Peter Sellers, and Robert Wagner. Wow. So there's some... Really talented bunch of people. Yeah. I mean, the next year, Marlon Brando makes Streetcar Named Desire, so... Yeah. He was about to blow up. A little bit. All right. Some fun facts about the ceremony itself. Um, they were presented on March 29th, and they were hosted by Fred Astaire. Very cool. Um, but a lot of people weren't there, actually. Um, it w- coincided... It was Gloria Swanson's birthday party. So Shut she, up. Yeah, so she had, like... A whole like in LA somewhere they had like a huge party and like Judy Holiday was there and a bunch of other nominees, and then Betty Davis was in London. There were very few people actually like at the ceremony. <laughs> um, but some fun facts about it. Like Betty Davis wasn't even there. No. Oh wow. Yeah. I mean, I just feel like she was certain she wasn't going to win then. I think she might have been working on something to be in London. You know what I mean? Okay. Or she was hanging out with her friend. Well, that was Paris, never mind. Yeah. Um, this might not be based in reality at all. I'm just going by feud. No, she Olivia de Havilland. I don't know. She she married a guy who like was French, and that's why she moved to France and kind of oh, retired. Okay. But mm-hmm. um, so all about Eve set a record with 14 nominations, mm. beating the previous record of 13 held by Gone with the Wind. It's a record that so far has only been matched by Titanic in 1997 and La La Land in 2016. Wow. Uh, Sunset Boulevard became the second film with nominations in every acting category to not win a single one. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. The previous was My Man Godfrey in 1936, and it did not happen again until American Hustle in 2014. Wow. Uh, Marilyn Monroe, who was in two of the nominated films, made her first and only Oscars appearance when she handed out the award for Best Sound Recording. Ooh. What else was she in that year? Um, she was in Asphalt Jungle, which was nominated okay. for some other. Cool. Yeah. And she had that brief appearance in All About Eve, obviously. Yeah. Um, Edith Head took home two Oscars for Best Costume Design because um, at that time they split it between black and white and color. Mm. She won them both. So. Awesome. I think she might actually be someone who has like a record for how many Oscars she has because she, I mean, she was like the costume designer for decades. Yeah. She won a lot. Um, these film ha- films had multiple nominations. All About Eve obviously had 14. Sunset Boulevard, 11. Born Yesterday and Samson and Delilah both had five nominations. Annie Get Your Gun and the Asphalt Jungle had four each. Um, Broken Arrow, Caged, Cinderella, Feather the Bride, King Solomon's Mines, and The Third Man each had three. 
In Destination Moon, The Flame and the Arrow, Harvey and the Magnificent Yankee had two. And then these films received multiple awards. All About Eve won six. Sunset Boulevard won three. And King Solomon's Mines and Samson and Delilah each won two. So that's pretty much what I have about the ceremony. General, you want to start going through the movies that were nominated? Let's do it. Okay. So the nominees for Best Picture were King Solomon's Mines, Father of the Bride, Born Yesterday, Sunset Boulevard, and All About Eve. Why did you say it in that order? Um, that's the order we're going to talk about them in. Oh, okay. <laughs> we always end with the one that won. If, of course. So, first up, let's talk about King Solomon's Mines, directed by Compton Bennett and Andrew Martin. Um, synopsis, adventurer... Wait, hold on. Why was it directed by two people? Oh, I'll get to that. Ooh. Um, the synopsis of the film, adventurer Alan Quartermain leads an expedition into uncharted African territory in an attempt to locate an explorer who went missing during his search for the fabled diamond mines of King Solomon. So it was directed by two people because the, so Compton Bennett was the original director and then Andrew Martin was the, what's it called? The second the tier what do you call him what the assistant director what do you the second unit director oh second unit okay yeah but um Compton Bennett hadn't done a lot of action films and I guess it was a real he was more of a drawing room director I believe is what one of the what does that mean he was better at directing two people sitting in a room talking than he was I'm sorry, what action was in this movie? There was a lot of action. It was an action adventure movie. What? There was like a little bit of action at the very end. In 1950, that was a lot of action. Oh my goodness. There was an elephant attack. It opened with an elephant attack. Yeah, but that was second unit, guaranteed. Well, so then Andrew Martin, who was a second unit director, um, took over about halfway through. And it's the latter. He was responsible for the most thrilling action sequences. Dude, this story is bullshit. I call bullshit on this story. This is what happened. I think the the OG director, what's his name? Uh, Compton Bennett. Compton Bennett. I think he just got tired of being in Africa. I mean, that could be. They like, had a rough time there. <laughs> yeah, that is exactly what happened. Because I'm sorry, but there is not enough action. It's such like a, a PR story. There was story. a stampede. There was that big fight at the end. You also felt Yeah, you mean us. that stampede where it was just like three people sitting behind a rock? That was an action sequence? The camera didn't move from that. It just kept cutting back and forth. There was action. They were tracing through the jungles and there were bugs and there were like, they got all those shots of animals. That's action. They, they would be like walking in a one shot and be like, oh, what is that? And then it would cut to it was an action a movie. close up of a spider. <laughs> but he had to film that spider. He had to get close to those other animals. I'm gonna, I'm gonna really investigate this story. I'm just, I mean, that is the the version I saw in every place that I looked. Yeah, well, it's, it's all covered up. I don't know why it's such a big deal. Do you want me to tell you some other facts about this film? Oh uh, yeah. Okay, it was the second of five film adaptations of the 1885 novel the same name by Henry Ryder Haggard. Um, much of the 3.5 million dollar budget went to location expenses. They okay. shot in Kenya, Uganda, Tanzania, and the Belgian Congo. Uh, while King Solomon's Mines was a solid commercial hit, critics saved their praise solely for the technical aspects. 
Variety said, what makes this a Sacco piece of escapist entertainment is the authenticity it gains by being filmed on the actual locale. The camera brings Africa to life in the breathtaking beauty of color. The setting is alive with beauty and menace. I would absolutely have to agree with that because yeah. I like how they said that the critics like saved their basically yeah. their energy just for the technical side because there's nothing really going on in this movie that's of interest at all. But <laughs> there is great footage of animals in africa that i'm sure like many people were seeing for the first time yeah like, like you can pick up national geographic and get photos and, and whatnot but like the seeing them like move see, and yeah them. seeing really great clear you know filmmaking from of, of african animals and landscapes had to just be like mesmerizing and honestly it was like really good now too yeah it was cool. like I think that, a lot I mean, of stuff was really good. Yeah, the fact that this movie was the number one movie in 1950, I think, owes a lot to the fact that one, it was in color. Oh, sure, yeah. Two, like it was showing people things that they'd not seen, and also not even the animals too, but they used real um, African tribes, and they were doing some of their like ritual, like the dance at the end and stuff. Is yeah. them? It was one of their like ritual dances, which is not something that you would ever get to see in any other instance. You know? Yeah, sure. So I think that's but, like the first cool. time it wasn't just a bunch of like white people on screen. Right. You could like experience like other cultures and I mean, don't get me wrong, there's plenty of white people on the screen. I mean it's mostly white people. But you do get this this sense for the time that you're you know you're going across the world for a minute and seeing this. And good point that it's in color. I forgot, is this the only movie of these five nominees that's in color? Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean I was surprised when it was in color because I was like, Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean happy if at the very early stages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. There wasn't a lot. There were because it, it looked, cost a lot of money. It also looked good. Like I don't know if we watched like a remastered edition, but like it yeah, was really good. It did look good. Um, yeah, I would agree with that though. I think that what made it good was the technical stuff. Um, I will say like going into it, I was pretty nervous because I was like, oh, this is a movie that takes place in Africa that was made in 1950. Oh yeah, like, <laughs> mm. you were very hesitant. I was like, I don't think that's gonna be good, <laughs> but uh, it wasn't bad. Like I guess you know the part of the the secret king that's within their midst yeah or prince or whatever he is um that role like in the pre in the book and in the previous movie was like much bigger but they're also like playing by white dudes so like this oh. time they actually like gave it to a black guy but then they like cut down that part significantly but he was also like authentic wasn't he yeah like, i mean he was really african which is so that's probably why they cut English, it down yeah. like i don't think it's just because it's a black guy but it's like right we don't know what we can get out of him. But I also think cutting it down does kind of hurt the story because it's just like, oh, hey, like in the last 20 minutes, I'm a secret king and now you well, have to help me. I like that, though. <laughs> but I do think it's weird that he like joins and then you like don't really hear from him much. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he comes in when you need him, you know? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I think looking at it as a film, like the story is weirdly paced. It's very... Like, it's very boring for an action adventure, it's, even in 1950. Yeah, because it's not an action movie. It I is an action adventure it. movie. I don't know you keep That's what they're not. billing it as. It's not what it is. I mean, like, think about the other movies we watched and how much less action there was in that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, compared to those movies, All right. Compar this was an action Comparatively, adventure. yes, this was Indiana Jones. Yes. Okay. Um. So, yeah. But, I mean, the, the acting is fine. Like, Deborah Kerr, I think, is very good. Um and the other guy and then <laughs> like the acting was fine the quarter main yeah and uh but the story i mean the story was just 
bad it was it was just like we're wandering around for forever nothing's happening and then like yeah. the last 20 minutes it's like oh here's a diamond mine here's your dead husband here's like did, did you ever think for a second her brother was gonna be her husband no <laughs> i did i did and until they showed like a scene of just them together and like they were clearly brother and sister i was like oh, okay i thought that might have just been the ruse to like get him but then huh. i don't know but then he did say like he met with the guy and denied him but i just thought maybe he like wrote him a letter or something yeah that's interesting no so i thought it was like just that was the way to like get on the trip you know what i mean yeah if he won't do it so i can go find my treasure we'll make him think there's like a man lost out there and that'll be like the twist I feel like he didn't agree to do it because there was a man lost. He agreed to do it because they said they'd pay his son a bunch of money if he died. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. But I still feel, I don't know. still feel like he didn't want to do it first because it was just like a stupid, dangerous thing for nothing. Right. But this was at least like finding a person. Yeah. That was lost. Which they know. did find him. Yeah, he was skeleton dead, yeah. with a knife in his back. It happens, you know? Well, they had to do that because then there was the romance. But I said like, I was like, this is the only movie oh, where the yes. happy ending is that her husband is dead. Yeah. <laughs> That's so crazy. You're like, he better be fucking dead yeah, at this point. Yeah, just like making out in trees. I'm like, yeah. well, I hope your husband's dead. Then. I lie. It happens really quick. It happens. Like, this is not a build up where like, they kiss at the end. Every movie, though, I feel like that we watched, like, it was just like people just made out. And I'm like, where was the build up to you people just making out right now? Like, Born Yesterday, too. Do you know what I mean? Like, Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was really quick, too. I was too. just like, oh, so now you're just, okay. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> We jumped right. I forgot about that movie too. Yes, we jumped. I was like, right is that in 1950 they just didn't have time to like show a couple like falling in love? So just like, look, they love each other and they're gonna kiss look, now and yeah. deal with it. When they kiss, you know, they're gonna get married if they kiss. Yeah, so that's just it's true love if they just without saying a single word to each yes. other and just kiss. Mm-hmm. Ugh. All right. Do you have anything else to say about it? About King Solomon's Mines? Yeah. No, not really. Well, do you want to know what some other people think about it? Yeah, sure, because I don't really think about it. Sure. So the Rotten Tomatoes audience score for this film is 59%. Uh, the critics score on Rotten Tomatoes is 92%. What? I'm just telling you what it said. It's the information the internet gave me. Um, the American Film Institute has not ranked it on any list that they've ever come up with. Maybe they should do a best movies set in Africa list. It would have don't to even go know if somewhere. it would get on there. How long of a list could that honestly be? I mean, be? like in recent years, there have been more movies made in Africa. In recent years, I'm not talking. Don't they always do a hundred? Yeah. There's always hundreds. Okay. Maybe there hasn't been a hundred. <laughs> Probably why they don't have a list. Probably they're waiting for people to make more movies in Africa so they can make a list. There you go. Um, at the box office, it made fifteen point one million dollars. Wow. So yeah, number one movie in 1950. Right on, King Solomon's Mines. So it was done before and it was done again, right? Yeah, there's five versions of it. Well, I, would, I wouldn't mind checking out a, a, a different version as long as it's like better. Well, the more recent one with, um, who's in that? Richard Chamberlain and Sharon Stone has like a 30% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, but maybe there's actually It's supposed to be terrible. It's supposed to be really bad. Although they did use, um, so some of the, the footage, there was so much footage shot of the animals in Africa. They used it in like many, many movies after that i bet yeah including the remake of king Solomon's sure Bones. so that's cool excellent moving uh, on moving on father of the bride by vincent minnelli the father of a young woman deals with the emotional pain of her getting married along with the financial and organizational trouble of arranging the wedding that sounds crazy boring but it was actually <laughs> like, really funny it was back in 1950 they used to nominate comedies for best picture what what a concept 
Um, here's some fun facts for you. The premiere of this film took place six weeks after Elizabeth Taylor's real-life wedding to Nikki Conrad Hilton Jr. The publicity surrounding the event is credited with helping to make the film so successful. Um, like, MGM just went crazy. Like, Because, I mean, Elizabeth Taylor was, like, a child actress, so she and this was, like, her first adult role, too. Mm-hmm. So it was, like... Oh, you know, the girl you watched grow up is getting married, but she's really getting married. You can watch a movie where she's getting married, blah, blah, blah. And they actually, um, they gave her as their wedding present. Like Edith had designed her wedding dress for her real wedding. So they were super into it. Um, it was, the movie was written by the same married writing team of Francis Goodrich and Albert Hackett. They also wrote, it's a wonderful life and Easter parade. Oh, okay. Um, a sequel, Father's Little Dividend was made a year later and did almost as well as the original. Um, MGM did not use Taylor's subsequent divorce from Hilton in the marketing campaign. That By the next year, she was already divorced. And they were like, we're going to... Wait, who's in the sequel? It's the same cast. Really? Yeah, it's all the same people. I would love to watch that. Was that nominated for Best Picture? No. But I mean, it did well. And I guess they were saying it was rare for a sequel to do almost as well as the original, but it did really well. No, that's really really interesting. Yeah, I I surprisingly enjoyed this movie very much i thought it was so funny so it's spencer tracy plays the father and then elizabeth taylor's the daughter but um spencer tracy is so funny like he's yes. so funny the scene where he's trying on the tuxedo and it's too small is like one of the fun like i laughed so hard <laughs> i could have watched like an entire movie of just him trying to make that tuxedo fit yeah i think this is like one of the like occurrences where i just didn't really i wasn't you know i everyone knows spencer tracy's name but mm-hmm. i don't think like i ever noticed him or sought out movies he was in necessarily yeah and i thought he was a comic genius in this movie i thought he was really great just a natural a natural comedian and actor i thought he was very good sold the whole movie for me because like elizabeth taylor's like whatever in this well also like that i mean elizabeth taylor's a good actress i just think that this movie didn't really give her much to do yeah 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 i agree she yeah there wasn't much to chew on if anything and it was just kind of she was very one note yeah spencer tracy was really like the role in this yes although i really loved the relationship he had with his wife in it too i think that's a relationship you don't even see now very much in movies Although I guess they well describe it. Well, they were just very like affectionate with each other, and they were very like loving, and they were also very. Um, I mean, this isn't like this doesn't happen these days, but like back then, they were very like consulted with each other. It wasn't like he was just like telling everybody what to do. Like they were a team. I felt yeah. like okay, but I guess they also um, originally wanted uh, Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn to play the parents, but then decided that they had too much heat to be a believable married couple. Really? They, they, like their chemistry was like too hot. Apparently. I mean, cause they were obviously like together in real life, but that's interesting though. Yeah. No, I, I did really enjoy them as a couple. Very, they were very much equals. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that was interesting and very cool to see. I will say like, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was funny. I would definitely recommend it. People haven't seen it that they watch it. But then I also feel bad because I'm like, these days I'm like, oh, it sucks that like no comedies ever get nominated, blah, blah, blah. But like, I also don't feel like this movie should have been nominated for Best Picture. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Uh, I would absolutely agree. <laughs> like, I feel bad because I'm like, oh, I want them to nominate comedies. But I'm like, what was the point of this movie being nominated for Best Picture? <laughs> I mean, so far, yeah. I mean, I agree. I really did enjoy Father of the Bride. And I think it is a very fine film. But it makes me question, you know, what else came out that year? Because so far, the two movies we have talked about on this list, mm-hmm. I don't, I, I don't understand. Like, well, I understand King Solomon's Minds from a technical aspect. I think, like, if you 
you do things technically that haven't been done before, like are innovative I, or whatever. Like I understand you getting nominated for best picture. Do you? Yeah. Because I mean, like, give them the best cinematography award or some other they you know, did. technical <laughs> awards. Sure. <laughs> but like, I don't need. It. I don't know if that's best picture. That's fine. But I also, I mean, I also though, you know, people complain today that the Academy, you know, nominates pic- movies that people have never seen. They nominated yeah. the number one film of the year. Yeah. With this, you know. That gets people, one, to, like, watch it. It gets people to be invested in it, maybe, if they're fans of this movie. Sure. I don't know. Sure. Um, but, yeah, Father of the Bride. Father of the Bride, by the way, has, like, one of the craziest scenes I've ever seen in my life in it. With the dream thing? Yes. <laughs> it Like, if, you, if you're on the edge of seeing this movie, I assure you that this dream sequence is worth every every minute of the rest of the movie. Fun. it's so bizarre it wacky, very weird, yeah. and it's just like not on par like par with the rest or not i shouldn't say on par but like tonally it's very yeah, different from to- that movie. there's a shift there yeah. is a shift it's like just this like run-of-the-mill little like funny family comedy and then all of a sudden it's like weird but then it's hilarious too because spencer tracy just has fun with it and it's, yeah it's really great uh <laughs> i don't even know how to describe it. it's crazy it is crazy. But I feel like that's worth it. And, and uh, I don't know if... Is that in the Steve Martin version? I have not seen the Steve Martin version. Oh, you know what? Maybe that's something we should check out. Yeah. I'm sure it's good. Yeah. Steve Martin versus Spencer Tracy. Who so far, both the movies we talked about have been remade, too. That's interesting. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Do you have anything else to say about it? Not really. All right. You want to know what other people thought about it? No. Well, I'm going to tell you what I mean. The Rotten Tomatoes audience score is 74%. Critics score is 93%. Um, for the American Film Institute, ranked at number 83 on their list of the 100 greatest comedies. Um, and also linked to that, um, their list of the greatest stars of all time, Elizabeth Taylor is ranked number seven, and Spencer Tracy was ranked at number nine. And those are separate lists for men and women. So. Sure, cool. Uh, in the box office, they earned... $4 million in the U.S. and Canada and about another $2 million overseas, making a profit of almost $3 million for MGM. Very cool. So, yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. The next nominee is Born Yesterday by George Cougar. Uh, synopsis, a tycoon hires a tutor to teach his lover a proper etiquette. Another comedy. Wait, that's... That's that, it. That's, that's the whole That's all synopsis. you're going to give us? Well, that's really I feel the like whole plot of I feel it. like, yeah, but I feel like that's like what you read, but like, I feel like you can give a little more than that. Um, so essentially this guy, Harry, is, um, he's a businessman. I'm using air quotes, podcast listeners. He's a businessman who's in Washington, D.C., essentially to buy a congressman to oh, yeah. help his business. And he's, they're both, like him and his girlfriend, Billy Dawn, played by Judy Holliday, um or rough around the edges type characters or they didn't come from money and he decides that she's gonna hurt his business chances because she's too dumb she doesn't understand how the government works she doesn't understand um how to talk to people essentially is what it looks like in that first scene and then uh so he hires this uh i guess he's a reporter who came to interview him but then he decides he's gonna hire him to tutor her who's played by william holden and uh and then they fall in love instead. And also, he teaches her about the government. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens. Yeah. <laughs> See, now that is a synopsis, Devin. <laughs> Don't read me the one I like one sentence IMDb bullcrap. I read what IMDb says. <laughs> well, 
They don't know everything. All right. The screenplay was created by Albert Mannheimer based on the stage play of the same name by... It's Mannheimer. Is it? No. (laughs) The stage play of the same name by Garson Kanan. According to... Garson. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm done. According to Kanan's autobiography, Cooker did not like Mannheimer's work, believing it lost much of the value of the play, so he approached the playwright about writing the screenplay from his own play. But because of legal entanglements, Kanan did not receive screen credit. But he essentially oh, wow. wrote the screenplay. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting. Um, tying in, you know, I mentioned up at the top that the two lead actors who won this year were both kind of targeted as being communist by the yeah yeah by the committees. So in 1952, Judy Holiday was called before McCarran's subcommittee. Um, this was separate from the McCarthy thing, but McCarran essentially was dedicated to stopping immigration from Eastern Europe, aka Jewish people, which Judy Holiday was Jewish. Um, because he thought that those he was trying to prove that people who came from Eastern Europe, aka Jewish people, um, l- became communists once they were in America and then were threatening America with their Jewish communist ways. He was a great guy. Um, under she had full support from her studio though from Columbia, and they provided her legal counsel. And essentially, how she got out of it was she played a dumb blonde character. No, yeah, she like played that she was too dumb, and she'd like answer questions like, "Oh, I don't know if I ever did anything. I didn't." I didn't know. She was playing her character. She played her character movie. and uh, got got out of it. They that were like, okay. Incre- had they seen the movie at this point? Yeah, this was in 1952. The okay. movie came out in 50. Gotcha. So they'd seen the movie. Okay. So they They're- just figured she wasn't really acting in that movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, she's just that. She, she is. is a genius. Yeah. That little commie. <laughs> she wasn't communist. She was just very liberal right. and she had um, belonged to a theater group that had some communist yeah. members but they were communists whatever essentially she was called before because she was jew i mean it's messed up it was a messed up thing um but, but yeah no it. that is that's a very oh god what a time to be in hollywood yeah oh. yeah it's messed up and it's but good for her for getting out of it in one of the most interesting ways i've heard yeah i do I like that, that is really clever so she like never gave them any information she didn't like confirm anything she's always just like well i don't know <laughs> And, uh, and I let her go. I mean, I think there was still some backlash because she was still like listed in Red Channels and whatever. But I don't know what you just said. Uh, Red Channels was like this magazine. It was like this thing that would go around and they would basically like point out people, like actors and people in Hollywood who were communists. And really, it was yeah. just like a pulp thing, like a yeah, Daily Globe or whatever it's called. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's a what a way to make a buck. Yeah, it's crazy. Just feeding off of all that paranoia and mm-hmm. celebrity, you know. The blacklist worship. is interesting. And I think we'll talk about it more in some future episodes of this podcast because, um, I mean, there were people who were on the blacklist that won Oscars. But um, it's interesting because, like, the, a lot of actors obviously were targeted because they were the more, they were the face of Hollywood. Those were people that Americans would recognize and blah, blah, blah. But essentially, the only people that were ever blacklisted were writers, you know yeah like they never actually blacklisted any stars there were some people that lost work um she wasn't one of them although her career kind of slowed up just because um there wasn't a lot of parts for her that she was like Mm -hmm. the studio didn't really know what to do with her and then she actually she died pretty young of breast cancer she was like in her 40s really yeah wow that is young yeah do you know how old she was when this film was made she must have been like 20 so she's gonna like in her late 20s so she really didn't have that long no she didn't make that many movies hmm because she was really superb she was great like 
if I mean I thought I really really enjoyed this movie I thought it was very funny but like Thank the you. number one reason to see Born Yesterday is for Judy Holiday's performance absolutely she was fantastic she she is she's sti- like every she I <laughs> she's honestly very great like I think I think this is it's funny because it's so obviously a stage play yeah it works so well. There's constantly like someone barking at you. Yeah. And they're really good characters. Um, but she is just the scene stealer. Like she just kills it in, in every part and makes you laugh harder than. Yeah. I don't know. Well, <laughs> she, I laughed a lot harder than I have at some recent comedies. Her just like react. Like she would, like, when, without even saying anything, she'd just be like, mm. and like, I was hysterical. Or when she was like singing along to jazz music, like, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Like, I oh, she was such, a, she was so childish, but like in an innocent, humorous way. And mm-hmm. oh, I adored her. I yes. sincerely adored her. And although I didn't like the guy who played her, her fiance the businessman right oh i didn't particularly like him or how he treated her he was also just like great in that role oh he was funny yeah, the yeah. only one that doesn't really like william holden's like eh, take it or leave it for me sure i feel that a little later on in this podcast as well but <laughs> we'll continue discussing william holden in a minute. yeah I, just, I mean I, was, I just don't think he is a good actor in any sense of that word <laughs> uh <laughs> that phrase um but yeah julie holiday alone so worth checking out this movie. I've yes. I've really enjoyed it. I do, and I think too. You know, like obviously in this kind of Oscar race, um, it kind of comes down to Sunset Boulevard and All About Eve, and those are the movies that get the most um, discussion. I think nowadays, but Born Yes. So that's why I would really like encourage people to watch Born Yesterday because I think it's really funny. And I think you know I was talking kind of in the intro about the roles for Betty Davis and Gloria Swanson that kind of relaunched their careers and blah blah blah, but. I think it's great that three of the four movies that were, or five movies that were nominated here, um, had really strong female leads. Oh yeah. And you know, like her performance in this is fantastic. I don't, I can get into later about how I feel it stacks up to the other two, but I mean, it's fantastic. And I just love the fact that there's three movies here with female leads one, and then like strong complex characters. I mean, even though this is a comedy, so it's not like as much as the other two, but she still has like a really great arc of learning about herself and learning about the country and like finding herself essentially. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there's a great message too, where it's just some people give up on their education because of work or just other things they got going on. And you know, this, this movie does go to prove it. Like you can still learn at any age. She's supposed to be almost 30. Yeah. And you know, spending time with more intelligent people, like surrounding yourselves with like a, you know, someone who's going to challenge you more is, mm-hmm. you know, is a strong and interesting concept. And I feel like a lot of people in this time, like, again, they like maybe dropped out of high school to start working, depending on where you are economically or in this country. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of different educational backgrounds. And I feel people could identify with this without feeling offended. Yeah, absolutely. In a big way. And I like to like it's a love story kind of. But like it's also like they're falling in love over learning, you know, <laughs> like yeah. that's how they're like. Uh, interacting with each other is like going around looking at museums and whatnot. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I do agree with you. I think the biggest thing is just the opposite of what she's been dealing with her whole life. Probably, mm-hmm. you know, she got this guy who's intelligent and uh, who's intelligent, but also seems to like give a crap about her. Right. And because I think before, like, it was all just like people cared about what she looked like, and she was, you know, like a showgirl or whatever. And yeah. 
that was her only Chorus girl worth or whatever like was all tied up with how she looked and how people reacted to how she looked yeah and then it's like gave her something else we're making it sound much more serious than it was like it is a comedy <laughs> but i mean it is but i feel like it also like that. that's what makes it an essential comedy in my opinion yes. it's not just dumb jokes it's like a really good story it is it's very, very and it's good. quick and it just it doesn't it just moves it moves like a really good comedic play yes like i was i was so and you know it's, it's obviously all in pretty much one setting it just it just flies and it's really great mm-hmm. i really enjoyed it me too i definitely recommend it um in 2012, it was deemed culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant by the United States Library of Congress and selected for preservation in the National Film Registry. That's great to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, so some other, how other people felt about it. The Rotten Tomatoes audience score is 86%. The critic score is 95%. That's more than King Solomon's Minds, right? Um, Don't worry about it. I'm sure it is. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I think they were like uh, 92 um, the American Film Institute ranked it number 24 on their list of greatest comedies. It was also nominated when they did like their top 10 of 10 categories. It was nominated for the top 10 romantic comedies, but did not make the list. It was also nominated for their list of 100 favorite quotes for the line, would you do me a favor, Harry? Drop dead. Oh, love it. Love it. Uh, but that didn't make the list, but it was nominated. Um, and then the box office. Drop dead. <laughs> it made 4.5 million US. Cool. So yeah, like I said, I definitely recommend it if you have not seen it. And I think I think of the five nominees, you've probably already seen the other two. So see this one. <laughs> the other two. Wait, the other two like is in the next two? The next two, yeah. Okay. The th- of the three you should see of these five, you've probably already seen the other two. Yeah. So then I would recommend this one. Born Yesterday. Yes. Next up, Sunset Boulevard by Billy Wilder synopsis a screenwriter is hired to rework a faded silent film star script only to find himself developing a dangerous relationship now that's a good synopsis mm-hmm. um in 1989 since boulevard was included in the first group of films selected for preservation in the national film registry wow uh the character of norma desmond mirrors aspects of the twilight years of several real life silent film stars such as um the reclusive existence of mary pickford and the mental disorders of may murray and clara bow um but it's usually regarded as kind of a fictional composite of a bunch of different people and not just one person but the name norma desmond was derived from silent comedian mabel normand and her husband william desmond taylor Significantly, the latter was murdered in 1922 under mysterious circumstances in what became one of the most notorious Hollywood scandals of the silent era in contributing to the establishment of the Hayes office that same year. Holy crap. Yes. Um, This is a fun thing. So uh, Billy Wilder was adamant that the corpse of Joe Gillis be seen from the bottom of the pool, but creating that effect was difficult. Um, They tried to like build like a special box kind of to like try to do, but he didn't like the way that it looked. So it was finally achieved. They placed a mirror at the bottom of the pool and then filmed it from above. Shut up. Isn't that cool? Yes. You know, that shot is so gorgeous. And I didn't I didn't even know how they did it because it didn't look like it was naturally just like. One, I don't think they shot anything underwater back then. I don't no, I don't think they possible. have that kind of capability. No. But I didn't know how they did it. And it just it just looked so great. 
Mm-hmm. Although, again, I will say too, I think whatever version that we watched uh, Sunset Boulevard on Netflix mm-hmm. uh, must have been a remaster, restored edition because this is the best this movie's ever looked that I've seen. Oh, really? Yeah, I feel like I've only seen like a DVD or something, but like I thought from the get go, this looked so pristine. It was in such good condition, which really goes good? to show, you know, I mean, obviously you're saying the the registry took it in right away, so it's been kind of kept yeah, it up that's so true. since the yeah. beginning of uh film restoration and uh uh for keepsake mm-hmm. um but yeah sunset boulevard what did you think this is your first time watching it did you have more facts i'm sorry i have one more fact i'm gonna tell okay. you before i tell you what i thought of it i'm gonna tell you what louis b mayer thought of it what did louis b uh he thought after a preview screening Louis Mayer is said to have berated Billy Wilder for airing Hollywood's dirty laundry, saying something along the lines of, you bastard, you have disgraced the industry that made you and fed you. You should be tarred and feathered and run out of Hollywood. So So he he wasn't wasn't a fan. fan, (laughs) (laughs) I think there were a lot, like, I guess they were super nervous in general about people knowing that they were making a movie that kind of cast Hollywood and such a negative light that they had like a code name for the script they didn't let anyone know they submitted the script like page by page to the to the off like to the censors or whatever to like kind of hide that this was the movie they were making sure but yeah so what did i think of it i really really liked it obviously it is a great movie i think um it's shot really well obviously um Gloria Swanson as Norma Desmond is fantastic. I love her. She honestly is like my old lady goals. Except she's not old. She was only 50 when she made this movie. But um, <laughs> she uh, she's great. And it's such an interesting story um, to take like the silent film actress and then how she's kind of deteriorated once silent movies weren't a thing, which I think was obviously like a, a big thing. Then there were so many stars of the silent era that just disappeared as soon as talkies became a thing. Yes. And this is just a very interesting way to look at it. Yeah. You wouldn't expect like a movie this almost self-referential about, you know, yeah, old Hollywood. Yeah. You, I, it's just, I feel like it was surprising to see. But then I thought the same thing when I finally saw Singing in the Rain. I was like. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I was it's like, kinda... damn, they're, they got this like meta already, you know? And I was, yeah. I was a little surprised. But uh, Well, and that was after this so you know what i mean they already had this. oh that's true that's this yeah but uh i mean yeah sunset boulevard is inarguably uh, a fantastic film yes uh billy wilder is one of my favorite directors and this is some might say this might be his quintessential work yes i i probably like some like it hot more uh but my uh favorite of his is the apartment but i'm sure we'll talk about that on a later podcast talk about both of those on a later podcast yes um, but yes, I'm, I'm really glad you finally got to watch it and I knew you'd like Norma Desmond. I love, I, I, I want a I leopard like. turban. I just want to like <laughs> live in a giant mansion covered in pictures of myself I mean, in a leopard turban and sunglasses. And then you're my butler. That's my life that I'm picturing see, for see, us. <laughs> that's, see, that's the, the opposite of where I want to, you know, I kind of, you said you want to be, she's your old lady goals. Yes. My middle-aged lady goals. Yeah. You know, William Holden is, is, is my you're like Whoa. the same age as William Holden in that movie. Sure. You want to go find a rich I want to go find a re- Yes, Devin. <laughs> then you get yes. killed. You, but you, well, yeah, I got to play it a little safer. I have contacts now, though. You know, I, I can see, you know, I got I know what to look out for. When she has a gun, look out for that. Yes. He should have known that, though, yeah, also. I'm not going to be such a dick. I really like what he did. 
I really, you know, he worked his way in there, kind of conned his way in to make a little extra buck. But then, you know, I think he also knew he was doing some good for Norma. Like, you know, it's I like that too. It's a very complex relationship, and the yeah. fact that like he's kind of taking advantage of her mental instability. But also, I think he does care about her because I mean, he comes back when she tries to kill herself, and I think there is part of him that yeah. doesn't want her to hurt herself. You know, that Absolutely is like trying not. to protect her. And I think he respects her as a former you know icon and Mm -hmm. certainly respects her as a friend i think later and yeah he got in there for all the wrong reasons and you know here's to wilder and this and this excellent script is like holden does not do a good job at giving you any sort of emotion (laughs) or feeling towards what his actions are you just you just have a good script that guides us along and you get it. You know what I mean? You, you, you're you you're with him all, all the way. But well, and also he's like he's narrating his inner you. thoughts. So he doesn't have to emote it out of his face. He's just like narrating it. Yeah, you yeah know? that's true. There is the narration. But he's just so like one note delivery just again. Well, you, sorry, uh, I don't mean to interrupt. No, go ahead. You know what's interesting about that is I was saying like he has the narration so he doesn't have to like emote out of his yeah. face. Like that's exactly like Norma Desmond's point. She's like, we didn't need words. We had faces. You know what I mean? And William Holden was not using his face to act. He was just using the words he had to say. Sure. But I mean, like, judging by William Holden in this, also in Born Yesterday, I'm, like, just pretty much... I'm just convinced he's just not that good of an actor. I mean, sure. I I mean, I don't... I think think he knows how to read, and he he knows how to read, and he's a handsome person, and... I mean, that describes, like, 80% of actors, even today, so... (laughs) I'm just saying, like, I think it was a big year for him, but, like... Yes. You know, I don't mind if I never have to see a William Holden movie again. Um, I do wish, like, that's my one thing about Sunset Boulevard is I wish it was cast differently. Um, hmm. Well, they had plenty of other options. Yeah, ex- yeah, and exactly. Uh, but, I mean, who's to say? Because that's such a, it's actually a very small part of that movie. Like, it doesn't really hinder my liking of that movie. But um, it is just like, if I had to choose one thing that I really didn't care for, it is that. Otherwise, I think this movie is exemplary in, 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 in every other category. Absolutely. And I do love how meta it got. Like, I mean, one, um, Gloria Swanson actually was a silent film star. All of those pictures were publicity stills of her. The film that they're watching is one of her old films directed by, um, what's his name? Eric von, uh, sorry, Eric von Stroheim, who played the butler. He was a silent film director. Who That's... directed Gloria Swanson? Wow. Mm-hmm. And then they cast. Why the hell did they agree to do this? They That's... were basically making a fucking documentary. I mean, yeah. And um, the scene where they're playing uh, bridge—is that what they're playing with all of her old friends? Those are yeah. all silent film. Yeah. Actors. But. <sighs> yeah, it's. I'm crazy. just shocked. Like that's so weird. And like, for a director to even ask that of some of his peers is just like, wow. It's guts. It's gutsy. I guess like Air France Roheim, like afterwards was very, he refused to like kind of comment about making the picture. He got, I guess when he got, he was nominated for best supporting actor and uh, he got, he was so insulted by being nominated. He tried to like sue Paramount or something. Really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's, I don't know. I guess he regretted it, but I do think it's interesting. Wow. And obviously they, they also got Cecil B. DeMille to be in it to play himself. Yeah. Who was, who was actually great like he was pretty good do you know he, what he he demanded to be paid ten thousand dollars and to get a new cadillac 
which they paid him. And then Billy Wilder needed to come back to get a close-up of him, and he demanded to be paid another $10,000. Hell yeah. Because you know what? He's like, he's like, you know what? I've been, I've been dicked around by these actors my whole life. Yeah. It's, it's my turn. Yeah. It's my turn. <laughs> exactly. He's like, you know what? I have some demands. <laughs> I love it. So he made out well on that, on that picture. Sure, sure. Wow, that is that is fascinating though about uh, Eric von Stroheim. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting, and I thought he was really good. And I kind of that was like a weird thing that I didn't see coming at all. That his role in that is that he was her former director and former husband, that then is just like living as her butler and kind of enable. Like that yeah. is the most enabling I've ever seen. Like I, if you want like a definition of what enabling. Sure, is. absolutely. The fact that scene where we find out he writes those fan letters. Yeah. Oh break my heart and two you know i just yeah. it's so beautiful every time every time mm-hmm. and you can see and i think i think maybe that like goes into why william holden's character decides to leave at the end is that like he's you know like gone along and like tried to protect her by playing along but then i think he was finally just like this isn't helping anyone to yeah. continue to like feed into her delusions yeah you're absolutely right it was gonna be it was gonna be more heartbreak than I mean, because eventually she was going to find out the movie wasn't getting made, you know? Yeah, exactly. Who would want to witness that, you know? I mean, she didn't handle anything well when she did find out. No. (laughs) She killed him. Do you find it... You find it like when we first meet her, one monkey has died. Yes. But then it's almost like... I feel like at first, every time, I feel like she's just dragging... She wants another monkey. Just like someone who's there and like keeps their company, but yeah, doesn't try to change. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't think like I don't know if that's it, but I just don't understand what else that monkey serves, except it is pretty much the same. Except now William Holden's character is talking back a little bit or is challenging her slightly, but she seems yeah. to be into that. Whereas like maybe she wasn't for the past twenty years or so. Right. I think. I mean, yeah, she's definitely looking for like a new companion and like a new. Yeah. She's bored. I mean, all she has is her movies to watch and max and you know and then he comes in i was reading i was reading research about this and they had a story from like in the 80s billy wilder was at some party with um and nancy reagan was there and she was kind of like standing near him and someone asked him like what the monkey death like meant or like what it was about and i guess to kind of like shock the first the first lady future first lady he was like oh don't you get it before before joe she was fucking the monkey <laughs> Oh no! I don't think that's true. I think he was no, just trying that's not to. True. <laughs> Damn. I just think that's funny. But yeah. I don't like that. <laughs> I don't think it's supposed to be. That's what it was supposed yeah. to be. I just think he was saying that after the fact. I heard a story recently. Uh, it actually, it was Ian McShane was doing like an interview, mm-hmm. and like back in the late sixties, he ran into like William Wilder filming something. I think it was. I think it was Billy Wilder. Yeah. He was filming like a Sherlock movie or something. Okay. On, in, in London. And they had been going for like 20 weeks or something, which is like a crazy long time. He's just like, oh, yeah, how's Sherlock going? He's like, well, you know, it's like fucking after you come. <laughs> and I feel like I was just like shocked. Because, you know, I, I got this like sense of who Wilder is. I think he was a pretty. And it's, and it's yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so you hear something like that and that's yeah. what, you know, it's like, oh, maybe he was just a very... In your, you know. Yeah, I don't think he was someone who, like, beat around the bush about stuff. He was very, like, direct and. But so, so talented, man. Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, his body of work is just 
amazing. And like we said, we're going to talk about yeah, it's his like, other movies that later. Like everything he touched became yeah essential in some way. Um, but yeah. Um, Sunset. Oh man, I'm so glad you like Sunset Boulevard. I was, I, a, little, yeah. I was a little nervous because you were so tired it. last night when we were watching it. But yeah, well, unlike you, I didn't fall asleep, so I actually watched the whole. Thing. I don't know what you're talking about. I was. <laughs> I was there. Okay. I was. You know, it was a long day. I know. I know. Right. I understand. All right. And I made it through King Solomon's Mind, so clearly it's not like I was you bored. I was like drinking Solomon's Mind. Did I? A little bit, yeah. You because I was like, oh, they just started, they just kissed, and you were like, what? <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, guys, I want to don't I don't want her to paint a picture of me as like a, I constantly sleep during movies. It's not true. Simply not true. We just think there are a lot of movies to watch, guys, and we yeah. have other things going on in our lives. So sometimes it we do late have jobs and and stuff. Yes. <laughs> we do all right so um some what some other people thought about sunset boulevard please get ready for this ron tomato's audience score of 95 percent critic score of 98 percent of course um for the american film institute let me tell you there's in a list they didn't put this movie in. <laughs> uh on the original list of best movies of all time um was number 12 on the 10th anniversary list it was number 16 it's got two quotes on the list of best movie quotes at number seven is all right mr demille i'm ready for my close-up and at number 24 is i am big it's the pictures that I got, got small um it was ranked number 16 of having the best score hmm. and um sight and sound which kind of they compile their list from like with like a bunch of critics they write into critics and directors critics and directors um it was ranked number 63 on the list of like 250 best movies cool um and then at the box office i made five million well that's pretty good especially for 50 very cool next up is the winner all about eve directed or written by joseph minkowitz synopsis Give us it. An ingenue insinuates herself into the company of an established but aging stage actress and her circle of theater friends. Mmm. Also, these IMDb kind of makes movies sound really boring. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Um, it was based on the 1946 short story, The Wisdom of Eve by Mary Orr. Oh, wow. Okay. Although screen credit was not given for it. Or based her short story on a story told to her by Austrian actress Elizabeth Bergner about a scheming fan. <laughs> But or sold the studio rights to the story for five thousand dollars. Hmm. And a pack of cigarettes. No. <laughs> uh, all about Eve a is Cadillac. <laughs> a Cadillac. <laughs> so that's the most like. Let me tell you how to make a I'm, deal. <laughs> I'm only negotiating Cadillacs now after hearing that story. Uh, <laughs> with everything and a Cadillac. Thank yeah. you. Um, all about Eve is the only film in Oscar history to receive four female acting nominations. Davison Baxter as Best Actress, and Celeste Holm and Thelma Ritter as Best Supporting Actress. And in 1970, it was turned into a Broadway musical, Applause, starring Lauren Bacall as Margot Channing, and it won the Tony for Best Musical. I, want, I wish I could see that. Like That sounds great. When Lauren Bacall left the show, Anne Baxter took over the role of Margot Channing. Who's that? She played Eve Harrington in the movie. Oh, that's so cool. Yes. Oh, that's, okay, that's neat. All right. Sorry. <laughs> so I did not know her name, actually. Yes. I honestly didn't. Going into this movie, I thought uh, Betty Davis played Eve. This oh, all, really? This was all about her. I had no idea what this was about. Really? really? Yeah. I don't. Even after watching Feud, <laughs> I guess they kind no, of. No, they don't really talk. They don't really talk about it too much, or at least maybe in the first episode they do. But I didn't see that one. So, um, 
yeah, was, this was a genuine surprise for me. And again, it was really kind of nice to see a movie uh, that dealt with the world it we you know it lived in. Yes. Um, even though it's mostly theater, obviously, but there was some downplaying Hollywood. Yeah. Um, but it was certainly just about aging actors in general, very much like Sunset Boulevard. Yeah, it is interesting because I think both those films deal with very similar themes mm-hmm. that they both came out in the same year is interesting. Although this this was the theater world. Um, I think it definitely correlates to um, Hollywood. And especially the fact that at that time, Betty Davis was really struggling to find work. She hadn't worked in a while. Yeah. So this was kind of her career comeback. Not mm-hmm. that it lasted very well, but. Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, it's about Gloria Swanson didn't like any work after Sunset Boulevard. Yeah. Tragic. That's that's, <laughs> that's absolutely tragic. Yeah. It is. And I don't think winning the Oscar would have helped, but. No. Um, no. Well, you know, what can you do? It's just a shame. It is a shame. Um, but yeah, you had not seen All About Eve before. Mm-hmm. So were you, you liked it? I did like it. Good. <laughs> and that concludes our discussion. Yeah. <laughs> <of all laughs> <money. laughs> uh, I did like it. I actually, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't love it. Okay. I really liked it though. It was a fine movie. Sure. And like glad to watch it again sometime. Okay. But, um, I mean, maybe you want to save this for later, but, uh, I would, I mean, I would like recommend somebody watch uh, Born Yesterday over All About Eve. Whoa. I know that's crazy, but uh, I, I'm not trying to be confrontational. Like, I promise you. I'm not trying to upset you. I don't do this to you because. I mean, as long you as you're not telling Cool you. Runnings is better than it, I'm fine. No, you know, <laughs> it's a better sports movie than Raging Bull because Raging Bull's not a sports movie. That's all I was saying. Okay. Um, no, I mean, I do think All About Eve is a fine movie. Uh, at some parts, I was just like a little bored. It's like, I know. It's long, like, yeah. Yeah, it's like, I get what you're doing. Like, I know what you're saying. You don't have to, like, beat it into my head. But then again, maybe back then, they had to do that because mm-hmm. there wasn't a lot of stories about the subject matter yet. Sure. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and I thought everybody was, I thought everybody was fine in it. And I thought I did, you know, some cool stuff. But, I, like, if I, if. I don't know. Just again, the pacing of the pacing of Born Yesterday, or the stylization and script and performances of Sunset Boulevard. Like, I was just kind of disappointed at the end of the day. Like this, I don't know that this one. Okay. I guess, and I'm not. I'm not like. I sorry. Disappointed is the wrong word. Okay. I'm just. But I am kind of surprised. Like, mm-hmm. I had the build. I thought this movie was going to be great and like become. You know. Easily, it could be one of my favorites, and it, yeah. it's not there at all. Okay, it's not there for me at all. But I, I do understand why people do like it. I mean, it's got some great lines. Oh my god, it's got some good performances, obviously, and yes. the the subject matter is really cool and really thoughtful. But if there was one movie about a aging actress that year, it's mm-hmm. Sunset Boulevard for me, and okay. not all about Eve. But I anyway. understand that for sure. Um, from my point of view, and um, this is obviously like bias because it's just my opinion but one as a writer i really appreciate good writing and i think this is one of the best written scripts ever and not only that it's like exactly the kind of dialogue that i love you know what i mean so that's pressing on my describe that everything is like it's so witty it's so sharp like everything all the comebacks are just like perfect it's just like I kind of compare it to Aaron Sorkin, who's my favorite screenwriter, but he, everyone is just like, 
all the characters are smart and they're saying smart things and they're having quick conversations and it's very like boom boom you like miss things because people are just going back and forth constantly with some of the like best lines I've ever heard like there were comebacks in there and like stuff that I would like use today because they're just like perfect okay and that's what I really appreciate about it and I do think it's an interesting story you know um the younger girl coming in upsetting the the, the legend or whatever sure um I do like that and I also love I mean it's a story about women and like it doesn't cast them in necessarily like the best light you know like Eve Harrington isn't given like a lot of shades of depth mm-hmm. really but um Margot Channing is and I really enjoy that and I like the whole scene where they're like stuck in the car her and um her friend yeah like though and she's like explaining like the role of women and like how you're not a woman if you don't have a man and like blah blah I was like it's just I just feel like even today we just don't see enough movies like that it was ahead of its time yeah. in that sense sure yeah now you made me want to rewatch the movie because I wasn't paying attention. Like, I, I mean, I, the script I thought was good. Like, I thought the delivery was, you know, it was fine. But, like, things like the direction just, like, lacked for me. I thought there was nothing cool about anything they were doing. And for yeah. for being the best picture and knowing that it's, like, this classic movie, I thought uh, Minnelli would... That is Minnelli. No, it was Joseph oh. Mankiewicz. Oh, sorry, Mankiewicz. M, whatever. <laughs> no, I thought, you know, Mankiewicz would, would at least... I don't know. There would be some more stylization to it because, I mean, even that car scene, mm-hmm. I hated all the, like, I hated everything visually about it. I will say I think the weakest point was the drive because it, it felt very much like that was a stage. Like, they were yeah. just, like, in rooms. Yeah, And it was just, like, filming. You know what I mean? There wasn't any, yeah. like, innovation in, like, shots or, like, artistic Yeah, so it seems like it. if you were so attracted to the script, I would like to go back because I think I was letting the whole maison scene like everything mm-hmm. affect my opinion but i would like to just maybe focus on the script and get a better idea of how you saw it because i do find that fascinating and you do seem pretty passionate about it well i think that's interesting too because i mean like you're more of a direct you know i mean like you look at that more and then i look at writing you know what i mean we're yeah, just like coming yeah. at it from like different points of view i know but i would like to yeah i would like to come back and look at it from your point of view for sure because mm-hmm. i mean i did enjoy like i laughed a lot during this movie like yeah. it was a very funny movie the lines like were very good but I, yeah i guess i wasn't i would like to just focus on the script next time and maybe see how that turns out because yeah it was very boring and you know now that you're mentioning that and like having betty davis whose career was like going downhill at that time you'd say right yeah she hadn't made a movie in a while. i mean i didn't personally recognize anybody else like was this movie not supposed to be the hit it was it was just kind of a movie you know like some yeah. some you know writer got his story you know script through or whatever and it was gonna be great and then um yeah i mean like they went through i mean betty davis was not their first choice she was oh. like their 10th choice wow they were ori- like who uh joseph mingles like originally wanted i want to say rita hayward to play or no susan hayward i'm sorry susan hayward and um to play her but she was like not that old you know so they were sure. like she's too young to play that part so they went through like oh they wanted like barbara stanwick but she wouldn't do it they went through like all these people and then they cast um claudette colbert in the role Is that stephen colbert's grandma exactly okay. that's not true <laughs> and um that she was filming another scene and she broke her back like oh wow like shortly before filming was supposed to begin on all about eve so then they like had to go like betty davis at that point had just broken her contract with uh-huh. uh warner brothers and uh so she was like kind of looking for a new studio and that's when they got her 
And then I guess Joseph Mango, it's like after he cast her, multiple former directors of Betty Davis called him to like warn him about how difficult she was and how like blah, blah. blah. And he was kind of like nervous about it. And then she was fine. And then he like told her like a few days in, he was like, you know, all these people like warned me about you, but you've been fine. And she's like, she's like, I only am difficult when I don't believe in the script or the director, but this is good. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so they had like a great relationship. And he said like she was professional. She was great to work with. Like I had no problem. That's great. Yeah. I don't see what the real conflict could be. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, this seemed very much an actor's movie. Yeah. Like even though, there, again, there wasn't much big names. Like I'm sure all those guys are obviously professionals and like love the theater or the film world or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Um, it seemed, yeah, very much like a filmmaker's movie. But th- that's where it like, yeah, that's where it lost it though for me in some aspects too. It's like, again, I would have expected more style i would have expected better cinematography you know yeah. anything more interesting than just these random two shots or like I don't yeah know. that's just me oh i will say i want to go back i do think one of the best sequences though i do think like they did one thing right and that whole train sequence or when he was leaving to go to hollywood or whatever i don't know if it was train or plane or oh, what. the plane yeah but all that was beautiful to me clearly on a stage but like yeah i thought it was like so well done but then exactly that's like pretty early in the movie and then it's like I get nothing else besides a set of stairs in an apartment or like yeah outside in the lobby of a theater like I'm so bored like yeah visually yeah yeah visually <laughs> I'll let that out <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, and, and obviously it was kind of cool too to see Mar- this is one of Marilyn Monroe's first roles. Oh yeah, I forgot about her. She's already. a very small part. But um She's good. I just feel like she doesn't get enough credit as being a good actress. I think she's very funny. And she's very funny in this. Yeah, she was. Also difficult to work with, right? Probably not. Probably not, not on this. this point. <laughs> I think it was the drugs later that made her difficult. Oh, okay. But um, I forgot what I was going to say now about All About Eve. Do you have notes? No, I don't have notes. Oh, no. <laughs> you love the script, I heard. I did. Uh, I got distracted by your bouncy ball. It's going to be a bumpy night. I mean, it's a great line. She said it wrong. She didn't say it's it. It's Bumpy Ride. Everybody knows that. I mean, it's her line. She <laughs> said it. Um, I, mean, I can't aid you in like remembering what you were going to say I then. I'm sorry. I'm trying to like hit some what stuff. What were we talking about right before? You're talking about the women aspect. Like, no. You know, you like the car scene because. Mm-hmm. No, but what were you talking about before? Right before you threw your bronze ball on the table. Um. <laughs> Why does it say that I threw my bouncy ball on the table? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were gonna edit this out. Oh yeah, well now I have to edit this out too. Uh, by the way, I'm just gonna say something right now. If I sound low energy or kind of stuffy, it's cause I, I feel like I'm I'm getting a cold. A so sick. so I do want to point that out if if I'm boring you all. <laughs> it's okay. Not you. I don't care about you. I'm saying you know I'm, I'm, not I'm speaking for the audience. Okay. <laughs> um, but no, I think as like in summation of all about Eve, I'll just say that I think I love it. <laughs> you, I think I love, love it. it. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, as a movie, I understand what you're saying. Like visually, it's not very exciting. But here, okay, this is what I was gonna say. I remember when you Good. break down the things about a movie that make it like best picture quality in my opinion you break down the directing or the cinematography the performances the script like all those different aspects the costumes and hair costume and like all of that and i feel like it 
hits editing almost all like enough of them sure it hits you know performance it hits costumes honestly yeah edith had again and um it hits writing it hits um story you know mm-hmm. so i think like it checks off enough boxes for me that i'm like yes this was a best picture movie i totally understand it but that is also like if i'm glad you brought it up and worded it that way because that is also my problem with it Okay. Is that again? It does all these great things, and it is an actor's movie or it is a filmmaker's movie. But then again, I feel like Mankiewicz has dropped the ball on guiding it, like as far as directing. Uh, you know, obviously sure. the script was strong enough that the actors deliver the performances they need. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I just feel like I don't feel like Mankiewicz. Like if anybody's heart wasn't in it, it's his. Well, I mean, I think that he was just on a roll. He actually won back-to-back years directing and writing. Oh, really? He won the year before this and then he won for this. Um, I, know I knew you were going to ask me that. Let me just turn <laughs> the page. I mean, so you said the year before and after? No, he won this like this year and then the year before, in 1949, he won for uh, A Letter to Three Wives oh, okay. for See, directing I, and I writing. Said it, but I look forward to it. May, you know, I don't know. I just, I don't feel like it was very interesting on his point of view from his point of view but that's okay that's just one person's opinion for sure for sure i understand what you're saying do you want to know what other people thought about it sure uh the rotten tomatoes audience score is 94 percent. critic score is 100 percent certified fresh well i think you can be like 70 i know no i think you have to be like over 85 um the american film institute ranked it on the original list of best pictures at number 16 um, on the 10th anniversary list, it listed it as number 28. So it dropped huh. a little. Uh-huh. Um, on the list of the 100 best movie quotes, it comes in at number nine for Fasten Your Seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy, bumpy ride. Night. <laughs> um, Eve Harrington was voted number 23rd best villain. Oh, cool. And on the list. She of, is a good villain. That is something. She is really good. Like. That character is actually, like, I think the best part of this movie, obviously. I mean, well, yeah. Eve. But uh, yeah. it's all about her. It's all about her, yeah. But, I mean, her arc is just so fascinating to me. And, like, I truly... When we were like, is this getting single white female? Like, <laughs> yeah. Because, damn, I was legitimately scared in a few sequences. Like, what is she going to yeah, do? Yeah, you don't really know, like, what her end goal is. She is trying to, like, hurt her. If she's trying to, like, just take over her life or... Yeah. She's, uh, she's sinister. She is very sinister. Uh, Betty Davis was ranked number two of greatest female stars. Wow. Yep. Really? Yes. Like, as an actress? Yes. Oh, okay. I thought you meant, like, her character in this. No. I was like, what? Like Her, Betty Davis, as her entire career. Gotcha. Okay. Was ranked number two of the greatest female stars of all time. That's cool. And the Writers Guild ranked the film screenplay as the fifth greatest ever written. Wow. That's awesome. So, yeah. So, you're not alone in that by any means. No. Um, uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, the box office, the film earned $2.9 million. What are the four above it as far as scripts? Do you know? I do not know. No. Okay. I mean, I could look it up real quick if you wanted me to. No problem. Okay. okay. But, uh, but, yeah. So, we've talked about all the films. I think I probably know where you're leaning to, but what movie do you think should have won? Or do you think they got it right? Sunset Boulevard should have won. Okay. Um... I know I just spent like a long time defending all about you. Whoa! <laughs> I here's the thing that we're coming, Whoa! when we're doing this podcast and like discussing <clears throat> these, we're looking at which film one was the best, but then also is still culturally relevant today, still holds up today, still like 
And I really think if you're like saying like what's essential viewing, Sunset Boulevard, I think outranks All yeah. About Eve. Hmm. I love All About Eve and I definitely think people should still see it. But if, if you could only see one of the movies nominated <clears throat> for Best Picture this year, I think Sunset Boulevard might be better. Interesting. I didn't expect that from you. Because I would say both of those are pretty. They're, I mean, they're both great for sure. Yeah. Are pretty neck and neck there. Um, but yeah, I'd, I would have to say Sunset Boulevard is the essential movie of 1951. Then. Yes, I would agree. I wonder too if like part of the reason um it didn't win is because it was such a takedown of the Hollywood system. If perhaps some of the people in Hollywood were offended by it and didn't vote yeah. for it, you know? Um, sure. No, it very much could be. Which makes it, but it's so interesting because it is such a incisive look at what that system did and how that system operated and kind of the damage it did to people that I think that's also what makes it so important. Yeah, but a lot of people want to be like the checkbox system, like you said, like All About Eve was just an overall, might have been an overall better movie to a lot of people. But I think like using that system though, also Sunset Boulevard is well written. Mm-hmm. It's shot well. It's directed well. The cinematography is good. The costume yeah, but it's is amazing. Not as fun as that's perhaps true. all about eve is no it's definitely you know a much I mean? darker it's story a, yeah yeah mm-hmm. both have narration too although i hated the narration in all about eve that's one I of the things it. that immediately i was like this is not what i thought it was i liked how it kept changing perspectives though no i mean i did appreciate that but mm-hmm. like the first it felt like the first 20 minutes were narrated and i know it wasn't but like yeah. we had nothing i had no idea what was really going on i do love this i do love starting with that and then kind of going back to that booking and bookending it do i do love that mm-hmm. but it's just like oh, i feel like it took forever just to get there it is a, i mean because this was the longest movie of all these nominees was like over two hours and all the rest yeah. of them were under but um <clears throat> and it does i do think the pacing like it does drag a little in some parts so maybe that's what yeah you're feeling but maybe but anyway um if i had to do like my top five out of this oh the rank them yeah your rank uh five to one you know i think it's uh, i think it'd be king or i was like king charisma king, king, uh, i can't even talk now King Solomon's Mines. Okay. Then uh, Father of the Bride. Mm-hmm. All about Eve Born oh. Yesterday and Sunset Boulevard. And I only said, because that is just my preference. Okay. That is just the way, if I would like to revisit these movies, like that's, I would, I had so much fun watching Born Yesterday. Okay. That I would want to do that before I watched All About Eve again. Okay. If that makes any sense. That's the way I was doing that. Sure. Okay. Um, my ranking, because I'm looking at like <clears throat> what deserves to be a best picture nominee, like move like quality wise. Yeah. I would go Father of the Bride, Ooh. King Solomon's Mines, Born Yesterday, All About Eve, Sunset Boulevard. Very cool. Uh, why was Father of the Bride lower than King Solomon's Mines? Well, for the same reason I was saying before, I just think that King Solomon's Mines did some things technically. Where I think Father of the Bride was a funny comedy, but I don't think that it was like visually all that interesting i don't think that they did anything that innovative i just think it was a funny movie i actually think there was some there was some visually uh stimulating stuff in father Bride that i was i was actually surprised about well fitzman is a great director yeah i just just, yeah i didn't know what to expect Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden there'd be this like beautiful composition and be like wow that's really well done we'll be discussing But i don't think a movie what i said we'll be discussing vincent minnelli oh cool but i don't think a movie just because it's technically pretty or anything I just think that the, I think there were technical aspects that so, deserve to be recognized. So we should okay. So it's not a watch order to you. No, it, I don't. It's kind of like how I did it this this right. This no, time I'm around, doing it like 
which deserved to be nominated the most. Okay. I like and that. And if I was, like, recommending what you should watch, I would not recommend I you watch King Solomon's Minds. <laughs> like, unless you, like, have to for some reason, I wouldn't do it. Right. Is there anything from this year that stood out to you that you wish you would, would, you wish was included? Um... We can talk about that. I was actually going to ask you real quick before we get to that. Oh, sure. To just weigh in. What do you think? Because I think the biggest story from this year of the Oscars was the fact that Judy Holiday won over yeah. Gloria Swanson and Betty Davis. What do you Good think question. about that? Um, I was thinking about that when you mentioned it earlier. Um, it's really tough. Mm-hmm. Are we talking about like, wait, are we talking about Betty Davis too or no? Yes. Betty Davis is out for me. I don't know. That's fine. I'm sorry. I do think she was fine, but I think this really comes down to like the two strongest performances, which I think were Julie Holiday and Gloria Swenson. Okay. I love Gloria, and I think that probably should have deserved it. Right. But I'm not upset by any means that Julie Holiday got because she's just again she has a character from start to finish in that movie that is just she's great. Just sells you like. I will. You know, I could remember that. Like, I think there's so many great characters that are crazy or on the fringe or whatever mm-hmm. in cinema but like i think she's julie holiday created someone that's like one on her own you know and it's just it's something really special to behold i think they might have accidentally got that right i don't think yeah <laughs> i don't think it should have ended up that way at the oscars necessarily i think but yeah. i think years later in retrospective like i do think that it was appropriate I do think, because, I mean, one, I think Betty Davis and Gloria Swanson up against each other kind of split the vote a little bit. But also, Ann Baxter, who played Eve, managed to get her... She, like, demanded to be nominated as a lead actress instead of a supporting actress. Oh. Which I think also kind of hurt oh, them. I think okay. if she'd gone as for supporting, she would have won supporting, for yeah, sure. She's just like her character. I know. Um, But I also... The thing... So here's my feelings on it. I feel like Gloria Swanson and Betty Davis in their entire careers, these films are the ones that define them. Do you know what I mean? Like if you're saying you need to see the quintessential Betty Davis movie, you're going to recommend all buddy. If you want to see the quintessential Gloria Swanson movie, you don't have access to silent movies. So watch Sunset Boulevard. (laughs) But, um, and so it's kind of like in retrospect, it's like, Oh, it sucks that these like defining roles didn't win for them. But then I also, from the perspective of, you don't people know about all about even sunset boulevard those are films that are still discussed that people still are like go watch these movies because they're great but not a lot of people say born yesterday so in the fact that i think judy holiday won for born yesterday it's kind of like directing more people to maybe go look at born yesterday which they wouldn't otherwise do and i think that's good because i think that movie deserves to be remembered as well okay yes i like that so that's my feelings on it um some other notable movies that came out in 1950 that didn't get nominated um Rashomon. Oh yeah, which is considered like one of the. You talk about movies you fall asleep during. Like no offense, I've watched <laughs> I've watched Rashomon since, but I had an right when I went to college when I first started college. Yeah, I had an eight o'clock class, eight o'clock in the morning class, where we on the Thursdays would watch a movie, mm-hmm. eight o'clock in the morning, and they're asking me to watch Rashomon, <laughs> <laughs> and man, I was out within the first fifteen minutes and and woke up at the end confused as hell. <laughs> I don't know what was going on, but sorry. That's just a movie that always stick with me. There's two things I remember about that movie. I remember falling asleep to it. I remember my teacher being like, this is one of the first times they ever turned the camera on the sun. Like as far like as the- like the sh- letting the sun shine into the camera. Oh, great. Like through leaves or whatever. It's okay. just like, okay. And then oh. I fell asleep. So you're like, good to know. <laughs> no offense to Rashomon. I mean, it's Akira Kasawa, amazing filmmaker. And that is a really great movie that I did end up seeing 
a couple years later. It is um, on that list by Sight and Sound, best movies of all time. It's ranked number 24. Wow. Okay, cool. I will say, so it wasn't nominated for, it's a foreign movie, so it wouldn't have been nominated in the best picture race, but Mm -hmm. it wasn't nominated in this, in the 1951 Oscars for best foreign movie even though it came out in 1950 but it was nominated in 1952 and won best foreign picture in 1952 so i don't know why they like that's yeah they're still figuring themselves out sure so so i included it in here just because it did come out in 1950 but it did win in 1952 okay um some other movies uh cinderella which i only point out because there was not a category for best animated feature at this time okay yeah so i just think that i mean walt disney like I was saying to you before, like I think he would have had so many more Oscars if they had, had, had a best. Well, yeah, he didn't have any competition. But I mean, Cinderella is um like my least favorite Disney movie. But oh, okay, really? <laughs> it's I mean, it is like the quintessential Disney movie. Mm-hmm. And I think if we're talking about movies that have like cultural impact in 2017, Cinderella probably outweighs all these other movies. Yeah. Like if you're if you're saying like oh I want like a quintessential princess, like you're probably gonna use the word Cinderella. Yeah. Um, some of the movies, The Asphalt Jungle, which was nominated for some other awards and won some other awards, but it didn't, it wasn't nominated for Best Picture. Um, same thing with Harvey, which um, actually the actress from that won Best Supporting Actress, but it wasn't nominated oh, cool. for Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Um, and Summerstock, which was a musical with um, Judy Garland. It's not like a great musical, but um, do you know like that like famous picture of Judy Garland with like the tuxedo jacket and no pants? Like, have you seen that picture? No, I don't think so. It's one of her like quintessential performances and it's from that film. So I just thought. Oh, was... you know, what I do. I'm sorry. Yeah, of course. Okay. So I included that in there. Very cool. But otherwise, I think, you know, they they did good nominating. Yes. I'm very happy with this list. I didn't get a chance to look over all the uh, Oscar nominations from that year, but I'm very happy with the ones we, we have discussed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that's it. I guess that wraps up our conversation about the 23rd Academy Awards. Yeah. Movies that came out in the year 1950 and the mm-hmm. ceremony was in 1951. Yep. Um, so we'll go ahead and leave you. Uh, as you know, we came in on the winner of the best song from 1951, which is Mona Lisa from Captain Carrie. And I think it's a pretty song. But Absolutely. is it as good as Bippity Boppity Boo from Cinderella? <laughs> Maybe not. So we're going to go out on that. You decide. <laughs> you decide. Um, and join us next week for, I didn't come up with a funny way to prelude what we're doing <laughs> next week. So why don't you just say it? Um, we're going to be looking at uh, 2001. 2001? That's, you chose it. A Space Odyssey? No. The oh. year, the year 2001. Okay. For movies that came out in 2000. Okay. Gladiator yeah that's it all right all right you want to say goodbye bye bye salagadoola metrigaboola bibbidi-bobbidi-boo put them together and what have you got bibbidi-bobbidi-boo salagadoola metrigaboola bibbidi-bobbidi-boo it'll do magic believe it or not bibbidi-bobbidi-boo now salagadoola means a menchikaboolaroo But the thing about that does the job is bibbidi-bobbidi-boo Just a wave of my stick and to finish the trick Bibbidi-bobbidi-boo Gracious, what did I do? Oh! <gasps>
just leave it to me. What a gown this will be. Why, it's like a dream. A wonderful dream come true. Yes, my child. Goodness me, it's getting late. Hurry up, dear, the ball can't wait. Have a good time, dance, be gay. Now off you go, you're on your way. Oh, 